Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 903. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, John Bechtel. Hey, John, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Absolutely ready to go, Mark. All right. John Bechtel owns Landspeed Media Group, a publishing firm that operates automotive, technical, and enthusiast websites, including HotRodEngineTech.com. He also operates Prodyne Technology, his motorsports consulting business, and his land speed restorations business, which preserves and restores historic race cars. John is a 40-year industry veteran, an automotive performance consultant, a publisher, an author, and he's written over 1,300 articles. He spent 17 years at the World Premier Performance Magazine, supervising and building an endless stream of high-performance projects, including restoration of the Summer Brothers Goldenrod Land Speed Record Holder for the Henry Ford Museum. That must have been fun. And finally, he has also assumed the duties of Public Relations Director and Event Coordinator for Mike Cook's Bonneville Shootout, the official FIA, FIM, International World Speed Record event held annually at the Bonneville Salt Flats. Is there anything you don't do, John? Holy cow. (laughs) You're a busy guy. (laughs) Okay, thanks for inviting me, Mark. Well, I claim I'm retired, but it doesn't feel that way very often. (laughs) No. (laughs) That's a good thing, I think. Yes. Uh, As far as highlights go, I'd say I was fortunate early on to meet some of the right people, and that really helped facilitate and and shape the career that I've had. After serving in the Air Force and then graduating from college, I was sort of milling around trying to decide what to do uh, when I managed to wrangle an interview for a technical editor at CarCraft Magazine. And uh, they sent me a plane ticket and flew me out, and I interviewed, and uh, that all went well, and they hired me. And I worked there for five years before I followed the publisher over to Hot Rod Magazine at his invitation in 1980. Uh, he was transferring over to become publisher of Hot Rod, and, and I told him I was uh, sorry to see him go because he's a great boss, and he said, well, why don't you come with me? There you go. <laughs> so at Hot Rod, I had a lot of interesting times working at the uh, premier publication, especially during those days. And one of the highlights, I would say, I had some help from a lot of good friends and uh, Put together a, a third-gen uh, Firebird that set an SCTA record at Bonneville and an FIA record at Bonneville and got me into two Bonneville 200-mile-an-hour club. Wow. You've done a little bit of a lot of things, it seems like, and we're going to learn a lot more about your career as we move through all these questions and so forth. But first, I want to ask you for a success quote or a mantra. This is something that is uh, meaningful for you, something that maybe you believe in that helps you work through all these many projects. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah. So, John, take the wheel. Never underestimate the contributions of family and people close to you, those who support you and indulge your crazy hours and weird passions. and They're the people who back you up and love you for the gearhead that you are, I guess. Uh, and in terms of a um, inspirational quote, Early on, when I worked at CarCraft, I met a well-known engineer and, and uh, professional, Jim McFarland. He told me early on when he was working at Edelbrock to uh, stay humble. Don't start ever thinking that you're all that because there are plenty of people that can take your place. And uh, I think that served me well. I tried not to 
get too wrapped up in it and in terms of thinking I was special, you know. Sure. And uh, that worked out because uh, really all the people in the industry are, are everyday people. They just happen to be working on stuff that they like and love and enjoy. And uh, when you approach it from that side, it's uh, it's much more enjoyable. Absolutely. I just returned from the SEMA show a couple of weeks ago. And boy, talk about running into a lot of people doing what they like. Oh, my goodness. And uh, I was thinking about you because I knew I was going to be coming home and doing this interview with you and ran across Danny Thompson with the, his land speed record, that mean blue machine that he drives. And I uh, met some other guys that had some really cool land speed record vehicles, those real long things that you've seen out there on the Bonneville Salt Flats. Sure. Pretty amazing. The things that people will do to do what they love. Well, let's go back in time and talk about how you got involved with doing what you love. And I'd love for you to share a story that instigated your passion for cars. Is there a pivotal moment in your life when you knew that you were destined to be a car guy? Yeah, probably about the fifth grade, I think. A friend of mine, when we were pretty young, his brother was building some what we thought were very cool model cars. That would have been probably in the mid-50s. And he had a collection of hot rods that he allowed us to look through. Pretty soon we got pretty hopped up about Hot Rod Magazine. And uh, before long, I started building my own model cars and airplanes and still like to do that from time to time, even to this day. Although now it's about more about building my collection of uh, land speed record model cars. I've narrowed it down to just that. <laughs> yeah, there's only so many models you can dust every week. <laughs> sure. But, you know, in the, in the 60s, life was all about getting your license. Uh-huh. And once I did that, I couldn't keep my hands off the car. In high school, we were always working on our cars and hoping to make enough money to buy speed equipment. Yeah. I had a 57 Chevy. We transplanted a 327 with uh, two inline AFB four barrels and the old Duntoff cam into it. And that's probably when I knew I was a real car guy because we went through that whole exercise and managed to pull it off and get it to run. And, and then we did the same thing with a buddy's car uh, with a, a 301 uh, small block. And uh, we spent about two days a week just rebuilding the clunky old three-speed transmissions because we were constantly blowing them up. I couldn't afford <laughs> four-speed. Yeah. Now, did you grow up in Southern California? No, I grew up in New Mexico in Albuquerque. Okay, well, there's plenty of hot rodding going on over there as well during the 60s and even into the 70s. So, Yeah, we got hold of an old Hemi at the junkyard, I think. It was a DeSoto, and we thought it was a 392 and decided we had found a real treasure. And so that sort of helped us learn what we were doing with engines. And uh, uh, But the Chevys were smaller and lighter and easier, so we stuck with those, particularly after we loaded the Hemi in the back of my dad's station wagon and collapsed the floor panel oh. to cover the spare tire. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. He was not pleased at that. No, I'm sure he wasn't. Well, let's take a look at some of the many roads you've driven down. Uh, doing all the different things you've done with your career over the years has no doubt had some ups and downs in it, like any entrepreneur would do. I would love for you to take us to a point in time where you had a big challenge or even a big failure. Walk us through that. But tell us what it taught you, what you learned from it, and then how you came out of that to gain even more momentum with your life and your career. Well, uh, I guess probably the life-changing event was uh, when uh, my mom died, was the first one. We had uh, taken her her Firebird and built a race car out of it and later on set some records with it. So that that was a kind of a monumental thing there. My dad was very pleased about that. But oh, yeah. in terms of uh, in, in career-wise, uh, probably starting the, my test facility at West Tech Performance in the uh, mid-'90s, um, 
there was a time there when and uh, working at Peterson Publishing where uh, uh, it seemed like with Mr. Peterson still around and nobody would ever get fired. But down towards the end there, um, once things started to change, one day they came in and, and uh, kind of booted a whole bunch of us in the same week. Oh, no. And uh, so <clears throat> we were in our 40s, you know, and they had they could get two for one younger guys. And so it worked OK. I mean, you know, we got a severance and put some money in the bank and um, I was able to uh, parlay that into uh, my dino facility and and um, get a business up and running. And uh, before long, I was uh, testing engines for uh, all the magazines that were still coming to me for testing and paying for it. And, and then that ex- expanded into doing product testing for some of the manufacturers like comp cams and stuff. So would you say that that experience of losing your job was kind of like a pushing out of the nest, if you will, to use an example here that urged you to say, you know what, maybe now is the time to start something for myself? Yeah, it was. And uh, I had done a few other things for myself on the side before that, but that's the experience. And I'm sure most people have been through it at least once where you where you're just absolutely get cut loose and um, you have to stand on your feet a little more. And, and uh, um, I had been there almost uh, – well, 17 years. Wow. And you get pretty comfortable. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's a good lesson for everybody to hear, especially young people that you think, I'm not replaceable. Uh, they're never going to let me go. Nothing's going to ever change. I'll always have comfort and a solid job. And if one thing guys like you and I have learned, things change. They always change. And sometimes they don't change in your direction. So you've always got to be prepared, always got to be looking down the road and thinking about where's my escape hatch? How can I get out of here if I have to get out of here? And how how am I going to land? Well, let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a career aha moment. Now, with all the different things you've done, I'm guessing you've had a lot of these aha moments. So could you take us to one of those? Uh, Sure. One of the um, exciting events that... um well, the first one really was, um, as I say, when we when we took my mom's Firebird, which I bought for her you know, in the late 80s before she died. And uh, we took it. My dad said he didn't want it around anymore. So I brought it home and decided to make a race car out of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, with a lot of help of a lot of good friends and uh, um, a lot of hard work, we put the thing together and we took it up to Bonneville. And so, amazingly enough, got a record on the first two passes and um, got into the Bonneville 200 mile an hour club, which is kind of unheard of to some people try for 20 years and can't get into the club. And I managed to do it on my first try, which was extremely fortunate. And then the next day we, uh, we did a little tune up on it and paid the fee for the FIA and ran for the FIA record and raised that. And I guess the, the, the really interesting thing that came out of that was the, uh, on the return run from the FIA record, it was kind of still coasting out. hadn't stopped yet, and uh, a rental car came zooming up beside me, honking and honking, and and I thought, well, maybe I'm on fire or something. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I stopped and I, you know, unbuckled and started climbing out, and that turns out the rental car car was Wally Parks from NHRA. Oh. And uh, he was very excited and hugged me and and uh, told me that I had and indeed had got the record. And returned that particular record back to Bonneville, which was at the time was being held uh, by another car that ran at Talladega. So he was very excited about that. And I have some great pictures of it that are on, on, on my website. Oh, great. Very, very cool. What is your website so that our listeners can go there and check those out? Uh, it's just my name, johnbechtel.com. 
It's B-A-E-C-H-T-E-L and dot com. And I put a lot of highlights up there and things that I've done and I'm interested in. And that was one one really interesting thing. Another one might be the uh, um, at CarCraft in 1993, we got the idea to um, try and take a street legal Mustang over 200 miles an hour. And uh, we decided it should be done with all parts from the Ford Performance Catalog. And so we built the car, and the only thing we really changed on it was we added a Vortex supercharger. Me, I can't eat Dottweiler, do the engine. We got it all together, and we took it back to Columbus, Ohio, to the uh, Ohio Transportation Research Center, which is a a seven-mile oval test track outside of Columbus. And um, we ran over 200 miles an hour. I ran 201, and um, Motor Week TV did a great segment about it on their show. So that was a really a kind of a stunning achievement because we did it in late November. The snow flurries were falling. They were salting the track. Oh, my gosh. And, uh, yeah, and it was a bitter cold day, a little bit windy. And there's some great video of it in that uh, old Motor Week film. And I actually have a link to that on my website. Wow. That's crazy, doing it in that kind of condition. Oh, my gosh. You're <laughs> a brave guy. Well, you may have answered the next question, and that is a proudest career moment. Is there one you'd like to share with us? Yeah, I, I think um, the next one after that, I mean, I've already mentioned for, uh, starting the performance shop. But the other one is um, when I started the uh, Land Speed Restorations Company. That really came out of wanting to do a book about uh, Land Speed Record Cars, a sort of a technical book. There were a lot of a lot of books out there that talked about the drivers and the heroes and, and what they did and what they achieved. And, mm-hmm. and I wanted to look at the cars themselves and what kind of technology was available in each era and how they applied it. So uh, the, the first one I tackled was the Summers Brothers Goldenrod because I had spent time working with both of the brothers on stories at the magazines. and So I knew them really well, and I asked Bill Summers if I could take the car and, and uh, take it partially apart to see how it worked and what, what all they had done inside of it. And he no longer owned it. He had sold it to the Henry Ford Museum in Michigan. So I contacted the curator, and he agreed, uh, let me take it back to my shop, and I took the body panels off and discovered that it was uh, seriously corroded and about to fall apart Mm. um, from salt corrosion. And so I let him know, and he flew out with a couple of their guys, and we, we did an inspection, and I put together a sort of a little party on a weekend where we had some of the original people involved with it, like Stu Hilborn and and um, guys like that came out. Art Chrisman, Al Teague, noted racers, um, came and we all just kind of inspected the car very carefully to determine what should be done to it. And the consensus was that we should uh, do a careful restoration of it. Mm-hmm. And that turned into a, a monumental two-year project that was uh, funded by the museum and also a government grant from a program called Save America's Treasures. Ah, cool. So and when when, I, when that car was completed, we installed it in the museum as the centerpiece of the, their automotive collection. Very and nice. So that was probably I'm really, we're really proud of that because the car came out so well, and uh, I'm just now uh, wrapping up a 300-page book about that whole effort. Ah. Very cool. That sounds like quite a project. Well, let's have a little bit of fun and go back in time and talk about your first really special car. Is there one that stands out for you? Yeah, I'd say that my 57 Chevy in high school, I mean, it's, you know, it's like 1964. I'm driving a 57 Chevy with a dual quad 
solid lifter 327 Corvette engine. It was pretty cool for being 17 back in the day. <laughs> yes. And uh, before I went in the service after high school, uh, my girlfriend's family had moved to Miami. And so that didn't sit well. I wasn't happy about that. So I drove that uh, twin four barrel beast across country by myself as a teenager and stayed with them in Miami for three months. And that was a pretty great adventure. I'd just barely turned an 18. Wow. And then uh, on the road, you know, all alone in a hopped up Chevy, saw the lifters clattering. You know, it was like it was very two lane blacktop, so to speak. <laughs> it sounds like a movie. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, on the way back, her brother was going to come back with me and he crashed the car in northern Florida. So we limped it home and rebuilt it. But oh, no, <laughs> it was never the same after that. And I eventually traded it for a 55 Chevy. But uh, that was the first car that really had a lot of meaning to me. It sounds like it. What an adventure. Well, how about Sellers or Morris? Is there a vehicle you've let go? That you really wish you had back? Um, yeah, there's a couple of them. I mean, I missed the 57 Chevy, but uh, um, I had a 68 Camaro SS that I bought when I came back from Vietnam that I really, really liked and um, got married in that car and uh, had a lot of great times with it. And then I had a, I acquired a 63 Oldsmobile Jetfire, which was the um, turbocharged version of the all-aluminum V8 that they offered it back in the day and a pretty rare car and um i had it for years and years and i didn't do anything with it and eventually i decided that um, i was never going to get around to it because i was doing too many other things and i let it go and i now i wish i still had it yeah well we all have those i guarantee you well what are you working on these days that has you really excited and fired up at the moment um besides the goldenrod book which is pretty much done we're just negotiating with the printer now and uh, but I'm also doing the um, a book about George Petit's uh, Speed Demon Streamliner, and uh, in 2014 George crashed the Speed Demon at 375 miles an hour at Bonneville and uh, decided to build a new car and it was just an opportunity that one of those cars had never been documented from the very first piece of metal mm-hmm. and uh, so I I approached George about it and I said why don't we do that and he was. Uh, gracious enough to say, yeah, let's do it, and I'll help pay for it. And so um, I've documented that entire car uh, from the ground up, and um, um, it's come back online, um, you know, faster than ever. It's got more 400 mile an hour passes than everybody else combined. And the new car is uh, 11 and 11, so right out of the box, it's got four 11 runs over 400, and um, we're about halfway through that book. And I hope to have it done here probably about midsummer. Wow. Some fun projects. Well, here's a very introspective question for you, John. If you were a car, what kind of car would John be and why? Hmm. Well, we just we just went there and I think <laughs> I think I'd be a Bonneville streamliner. Um <laughs> hard on the gas at the five mile mark. Uh, the year I was born, a man named John Cobb made the first four hundred mile an hour run at Bonneville. Mm, okay. In a car called the Railton Special. And it was um Pretty special back then. I mean, he it was an aircraft, uh, two aircraft engines in a streamlined, big, giant vehicle. Mm-hmm. And he didn't back it up for the record over 400, but he, he did exceed uh, 400 on one run, and then the record was raised to 394. And as a kid, I fell in love with that car and continued to be impressed with the engineering technical expertise of uh, men of that era. I've always kind of maintained that, our grandfathers and their fathers were 
quite brilliant and smarter than we ever gave them credit for. And they invented things like roller lifters and roller rockers and articulating connecting rods and all sorts of complicated but brilliant stuff while people were still being weaned off of horses. And their accomplishments were spectacular, I think. And who knows what they would have done if they'd had access to better materials back then. But um, that always just really impressed me. And and I I was drawn to Bonneville from, uh, you know, my teenage years, you know. Wow, very cool. Well, John, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yow sponsors. I'm a big fan of Covercraft, and I've used their products for decades on my vehicles to protect them and keep them looking great. Well, this holiday season, they have a very cool option for your gift giving, a Covercraft gift card. You can order one in any denomination, give it to the automotive enthusiast in your family, and he or she can go to Covercraft.com and choose from car covers, seat covers, dash covers, front-end protection, sunscreens, floor mats, even covers to protect your seats from your dogs and cats, work trucks, sport vehicles, and even for boats. So check out Covercraft.com, order your gift card today, toss it in a stocking, and you will have a happy, happy friend or family member on Christmas morning. That's Covercraft.com. And tell them Mark sent you. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage, and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garages built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. Okay, John, we are back, and we're entering the last lap, or in this case, the last run, since we're at the Bonneville Salt Flats <laughs> setting speed records here today. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Yeah, I think I might already mention that when I was working at CarCraft. Uh, uh, Jim McFarland, is a very well and respected man in the industry, told me to stay humble and, and enjoy the ride in the business. He said, there's always going to be somebody richer, smarter, or more accomplished, but there's always a place for people that listen and ask good questions. Ah, wise man, for sure. Yeah. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your successes over the years? Yeah, I, don't, I guess it's a habit. I, they say it's not good for you, but I, I pretty much eat, sleep, and breathe what I do. I start early work late, question anything that doesn't seem right when others may not ask the question. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure it it qualifies as being a workaholic if you love what you do, but uh, that's just, that's how I operate. Absolutely. Now about resources, there are a lot of great resources these days. Is there one you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, you know, I think the best one, and we know some, quite often we don't even recognize it because it's all around us. And I would have to say that's colleagues. People I've known and worked with forever in, in the industry and 
There are lots of extraordinary car builders and engine guys out there that never get noticed beyond their own city limits, I, I guess. But they're all good, and the old-timers know stuff you'd never know if you didn't listen to them. On Sometimes on Wednesday, we stop down and have lunch with Ed Iskandarian. He's 96, and I could listen to him for days and still learn stuff, but he'd probably be the first to tell you that he's learning something from you. And he always gets me by saying, hey, you're that famous writer guy, aren't you? But I'm pretty sure he's just messing with me. You know, so. Ed was a guest on my show a couple months ago. I saw him at SEMA. Uh, what a tremendous man. He's the, the eldest person I've ever had on this show. The youngest was a 15, maybe a 14-year-old, I think, now that I think of it. Boy, what a sharp guy. Isky is. Yeah. Amazing man. Now, if I could arrange for you to have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that be? You know, that's a pretty easy one there because I haven't talked about this person yet. And that's uh, Pontiac Motorsports uh, Chief John Callies from from the 80s and maybe with my mom and dad. So mm-hmm. I could ex- explain to my mom how I took her, her car that I, John helped us buy yeah. and turned it into a record holder. And uh, he came to town one night just out of the blue and took us out to dinner. And she, he asked her what kind of car she had, and she told him she had a Firebird. And he, he said, well, you need one of the new ones, the new third-gen F-bodies. And so we struck a deal, and he got a test car and put some miles on it at the Proving Grounds, and then he helped us buy it at a great price. And uh, after that, he'd always ask me how my mom liked her car, and, and uh, she was – just so proud of her shiny red Trans Am. She drove it all over the place <laughs> with a license plate that said Granny on the back. And, oh, wow. And although she passed away, uh, when that car set the record at Bonneville, um, it still had that plate on the back of it. Oh, how cool is that? Well, you had one cool mom, no doubt. Oh, yeah. She was. Yeah, very nice. Now, how about a book? Is there other than the many? And how, let me ask you real quick, how many books have you written? I know. I've lost track. I think it's about 13 I did one novel, and I'm halfway through another one, and uh, wow. and so I've slowed down on those right now because the Goldenrod and the Speed Demon books are, are very extensive, so they're taking a lot of time. No doubt. Well, if there's a book you could recommend to our listeners, what would it be? I guess I'm a little bit uh, uh, prejudiced there, but uh, I think The Miller Dynasty by Mark Dees is a really good book, and it's, it's out of print, but you can still find it on Amazon and uh-huh. some – a books and some places like that. And it tells in tremendous detail the story of the Miller engines in the early part of the century and the cars that dominated Indy for so many years. And it's a very thick book, but it covers every engine, every car in absolute detail with blueprints and charts and descriptions of the Miller engine philosophy and, and just how they approached engine building. And that's kind of where I got some of my thoughts about just how smart some of our grandfathers were. No doubt. I got to spend a day with a beautiful, restored Miller IndyCar, and oh my gosh, that thing was like a piece of jewelry. I I was just blown away by the the beauty, the elegance, the simplicity of that vehicle. Absolutely spectacular. Nice book. First time that book's been recommended. And I'll remind our listeners, you can find links to all these great resources John has shared on his Cars Yeah show notes page. Just go to CarsYeah.com, type in John Bechtel, B-A-E-C-H-T-E-L, 
the spelling of his last name, and you'll find all these great links. And of course, check out some of the many books that John has created over his lifetime. No doubt a lot of very cool reading there. All right, John, we're up to the checkered flag, the fun question, but it can be a bit of a doozy. I'm going to buy you any cool collector car, race car, whatever it is. doesn't matter because I'm going to pay for it. So don't worry about the price. What would that vehicle be and why? Well, you know, um, I guess some people would probably pick something really expensive. But uh, I just, I'd just i like to have my 87 Buick Grand National back. It was bone stock, and I didn't drive it much. It was kind of my my toy and my favorite. And, but it, it got stolen. Oh, no. So, and I'd like to, I'd like to have it back. Or if not that, maybe 10 minutes in a locked room with the guy that stole it. Oh, gosh, yeah, maybe so. (laughs) And a big wrench. Oh, my gosh. Well, I'm sorry you lost that car, but I'll see what I can find for you. What color was yours, that Buick? Uh, Black. Black, okay. Yeah, all the Grand Nationals were all black. All black, okay. Well, I should have known that, so thank you for that bit of education. Oh, great. Well, John, you've taken me on a great ride today. I've enjoyed your stories. I want to thank you for sharing your amazing automotive journey with the Car Show listeners and with me. Is there a little piece of parting wisdom, a nugget of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that 87 Buick Grand National that you can share with us? Yeah, um, I guess... uh, there's an extraordinary amount of work went into this Goldenrod book, and I think people will really, really like it because it's detailed to every single piece of that car. And um, we have a – we set up a, a website, goldenrodbook.com, and also one speeddemonbook.com in which people can do an early bird sign up, leave their email address so they get notified when the books are ready. And appreciate that you asked me on your show. I had a real good time talking with you. Oh, this was fun. Now, I'm going to make sure I put those links on your show notes page so that our listeners can find those and check those books out. When will the Goldenrod book be available? They're telling me 10 weeks delivery time and we and we're just not getting the proofs back, so I'm I'm hoping January. Okay. Great. Awesome. Perfect. And then what's another great way for our listeners to get a hold of you, like your website? Yeah, well, uh, that's johnbechtel.com and also uh, landspeedmedia.com. And that uh, website there has all of the other ones, which are uh, hotrodengintech.com, alternatesupercars.com, which deals with engine swapping Mm -hmm. and uh, uh, unusual cars that guys build. And then also have uh, trucksandtowing.com, which is a truck site. Oh, my gosh, John. So how many clones of yourself do you have to manage all this world that you've created <laughs> around yourself? Oh, my oh I wish, you know, but but it's uh, it's still fun. So that's, that's what matters. Absolutely. Well, I'll make sure for you listeners out there that I have all of John's websites listed on his Cars Yeah show notes page. Just go to CarsYeah.com, type in John, John Bechtel. Into the search bar, that page will pop up so you can check out all these cool links. Check out this book. Might be a great early gift, even though it might be available in January. Uh, Tell your buddy you bought him a cool gift, and it's going to show up in January for the Christmas season. That would be pretty nice. John, thank you for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your worldly automotive experiences with me and the Cars Yow listeners. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Okay, great, Mark. Thanks. I appreciate it. This was fun. Thank you. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me 
with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.